Good evening, Rechach Sameach to everybody. We're into uh, the holiday of Hanukkah. And uh, to the best of my recollection, the Parashat HaShavua, the weekly portion of the Torah that is read, will always be Miketz. Will always, for, uh, this parasha of this weekly portion that is known as Miketz will always be read during the Hanukkah holiday. As we know, and as we have studied before, 99% of all occurrences and all matters that, that take place in our universe have already been predestined. As scientists agree, tomorrow is already known today. They only have a little problem. If that is so, so uh, certain, then why doesn't everybody remember what was yesterday? And why doesn't always everyone know what is tomorrow? And it is not by chance that the Zohar, which we will be discussing this evening, in Miketz, deals with the aspect of memory. Deals with the aspect of memory. At the end of last week's weekly reading, it said that when Joseph was in the pit, in jail, in a dungeon. And in chapter 40 of Genesis, along with Yosef, were two of Pharaoh's servants. One was a baker, and one was the wine steward. And they both had a dream. And briefly, uh, the two of them were told by Joseph how their dreams would work out. And then Joseph says, please remember, or so it, it seems to be to us, in verse 14, Ki lach. Ki Now, if we translate that literally, in fact, it's uh, it's rather uh, difficult. So, Rashi, the commentator on the Torah, says, "If you will uh, remember that which I have done for you, but it, that couldn't be correct because it it also says Kashayitav lach ki imzachatani itcha with you." I mean, he should say, "If you remember the good that I did for you." And firstly, what good did Joseph do for uh, for the uh, wine steward? Man had a dream, and uh, those who can interpret dreams understand what the dream means. And consequently, if he's a if he's a uh, an individual who can really interpret dreams, and they come true, then more or less we can assume that the one who interpreted the dream knew what he was doing. If it doesn't work out, then he didn't know what he was doing. 
But here he's telling him to remember him because of the good that he has done him. And he should remember him. Why should he remember him? He didn't, he didn't do him any good in particular. All he said was what he thought the dream meant. That is one question. And so this verse, Yudalad, is very, is very confusing. And then, when it says that the wine steward and the dream came true just as, as Joseph had interpreted the dreams of both the baker and the wine steward, and then it says the wine steward who lived, of course, who lived did not remember him, and of course the baker wouldn't remember because they had already hung the baker, so he wasn't available for any comment. When, when his dream came true, he no longer was present in the world that we know. And what good would it do for the baker? And what good would it do for the baker? That, in other words, David was, uh, Joseph was at fault that he interpreted his dream to mean that he would ultimately be hung. Now, to give you an idea of how difficult this verse 14 is, it says, But have me in thy remembrance when it shall be well with thee. Have me in thy remembrance. What do you mean, have me in thy remembrance? Remember me. Just remember. Why does it say you should have me in your remembrance? This is exactly the translation of the, of the verse. It doesn't say, remember what I, what I said. But in any event, it says that he forgot. And uh, Rashi goes on to explain why did he forget? In verse 22 of the last week's portion by Yeshev, it says, because Joseph depended upon the kindness of this wine steward to remember him as if he should have prayed to God that he should have him released from prison. And because the, uh, Joseph placed his trust in the wine steward, therefore he remained there for another two years. Now the Zohar was not, is not, and was not too happy with that kind of interpretation for the obvious reason that I shall read and we shall understand. And because, as we know, merely the reading of the Zohar will expand our mind consciousness. So everything that we discuss from the Zohar will be understood on, on an upper level that we are generally accustomed to. The Zohar. Vahimi Ketz. And then it says, and at the end of two years, another comment that I should make, it says, Vahimi Ketz Shinatayim Yamim. Yamim. Days. And yet we know Shinatayim means two years. It was at the end of two years. Yamim. There's a word Yamim there. How does the word, years are not days and days are not years. So what does it mean, Yamim? Mayumi Ketz. What does it mean at the end? Rabbi Shimon Amar. The word Miketz means where there is no memory. It is that place 
that exists within us. In other words, it seems to be a consciousness. It seems to be a force within us, like a little bank that stores information but does not permit that information to be revealed. Because obviously, once we come in contact with a certain amount of information, we have absorbed that information, we placed it into our mind computer, and yet when we ask for a recall, when we ask to tap into that same consciousness, we find a blank, like the computer went went bad. But it, it really isn't, I can't say it went bad, because we're still functioning, and yet we, for whatever reason, we can't seem to grasp it. And the Zohar answers, Zehu Ketz shall small. It means the end of end, which always means left. Now I'm just reading the Zohar because we want to make the connection with the Zohar itself before we get into the interpretation. Mayatam, what is the reason for this? Mishum shekatuv ki im zechatani itcha kashe yitav lach. Umakshe. And the Zohar asks a question. Vichi rui zeli yosef asadik sheyoma ki im zechatani itcha? Is it proper, is it proper that Yosef HaTzadik, Yosef HaTzadik should place his trust and confidence in the wine steward? We are discussing Yosef HaTzadik. <clears throat> you might ask that, well, maybe he wasn't Yosef HaTzadik as yet. Maybe it was after he had come out of the, uh, out of prison that he was, that he then became Yosef HaTzadik. But that is not what the uh, Zohar, uh, Zohar considers because on page 10 of Parshat Miketz, it says the following in the Zohar, Yosef haya etzev ba'atzvut ruach, excuse me, ba'atzvat lev, machmat shehaya asur shama. Joseph was in a very depressed state. Joseph was in a very depressed state. Talking about Joseph. For those of you not familiar with the fact that Joseph was a chariot of Yesod. In other words, he was not only a human being as we are, but in addition to his physical corporeal level of consciousness, he was also a chariot. Meaning that his realm of consciousness was a revealed and open-minded state of reality. In other words, we live in illusion most of the times. We do not connect to that internal 99% of reality because that is the level of Zayed Ampin and that's why we pray, we do other uh, mitzvot for no other reason that we can connect with the world of illusion and therefore time, space, and motion ceases to exist for us. In other words, when I asked the question if Tomorrow is known today, as scientists also agree, that why don't we see tomorrow? The answer is, those who are connected to Zayir Ampin do see tomorrow, do see the next day as the prophets. Now, it wasn't only reserved for prophets, says the Zohar, it is reserved for every single individual who can rise above that level of illusion, because illusion means time, space, and motion, and if one can adjust himself and condition himself to rise above that 1% illusionary reality, then he is connected to the world of reality where time, space, and motion does not exist. In other words, 
I don't have to do something today and wake up tomorrow and say, now why did I do something as stupid as that? And that we're all not stupid, and certainly we don't admit to being stupid, then how come we do so many foolish things throughout our life? It is only afterthoughts that we begin to recognize the mistakes we made. But why couldn't we recognize those mistakes as they were happening? Because, says the Zohar, we are not connected for the most part, to the world of reality, where time, space, and motion does not exist. Therefore, the Zohar says here that Joseph was in a depressed state. A depressed state means what? When does a person go into depression? When he feels a lack. One who feels or has fulfillment has no place, or, or depression has no place within his life. Depressed means like a depressed tire. The air goes out. The thing that keeps this alive went out. So when someone is depressed, it means that the light, the fulfillment, that energy that is so vital to keep the individual moving has become depressed, meaning it has not been removed, but it's been pressed down. In other words, a vacuum has been created, and a vacuum means time, space, and motion. Then how could Joseph come to a state of depression because he was confined in prison. So there, those are the two questions that we're dealing with now amongst the other questions that we raised. Umeshiv and the Zohar answers, When Joseph observed the dream of the wine steward, it is certainly a dream of remembrance, of memory. And he made a mistake. For in the Creator is everything. Now this is the Zohar, and without Rabbi Ashlag's very, very lengthy discourse on just these few words of the Zohar, we, we could not understand just what was taking place in this portion of the week, plus for our benefit. What can we derive from this coded message that we seem to have so many questions that we've raised? The answer is, says Rabbi Ashlag, that the aspect of remembering or failing to have a recall of information depends, as usual, on one aspect, on whether we are injecting or whether we are tapping the energy of the central column. Central column. You've heard so much of the central column, and it is the central column that permits the aspect of free will. The central column is that energy intelligence that makes things move, work, and structure themselves in an orderly fashion. When Joseph was observing this dream of the wine steward, oh, another, another aspect I wanted to raise here. Do you remember I mentioned to you that Rashi says that he placed all of his trust in the wine steward rather than place trust in God. So says Rashi. Now, 
As I have mentioned before, and I wish to reiterate that point again, Rashi obviously knew the Kabbalah. However, because Rashi is pshat, meaning it is so undressed, it is so naked, that it is the opposite of sod, which is concealed. And so therefore, the corrupt version of sod, meaning Kabbalah, arose. Why? Sod means concealment, right? And pshat means revealment. Therefore, we have been told over the centuries that we are forbidden to study Kabbalah because that's concealed. Pshat, Talmud, is only where we should address our, our efforts in study. However, we know that any raw, naked energy can never be revealed. You take electricity. If it's live, if it's raw, if it's naked, it can only injure. The soul, before the soul can become revealed, what must it go through? It must go through a body. In other words, the soul must become concealed before it can become revealed. Because if the soul, as there are many souls hovering around, and as I mentioned many times, that the Zohar says, that is a blessing that we live in a world of concealment, because were we to be able to observe all of the living extraterrestrial entities that surround our daily life, we would die of fright. We would die of fright. So extraterrestrial entities are not merely those that are somewhere up in another planet, but says the Zohar, they are very much part of our life. In fact, they are the ones that cause us, says the Zohar, to lead us into what we consider to be stupid decisions. We are as smart as we are, as we claim we are. However, we all go through the pitfalls of stupidity. And the reason why we go through those pitfalls of stupidity is because all of these extraterrestrial forces that surround us, and since we are unaware of their existence, since we are unaware of their presence, we have supposedly no way to challenge these forces. We have no way to confront or deal with these forces. Although from a Kabbalistic method, we do that every day with our kavanot. They are, they are there for the specific purpose to prevent these energy forces from infiltrating our own cosmic, our own consciousness, to prevent us from seeing. These are the forces that prevent us from having this kind of clear vision. What the Kabbalah does in prayer, as an example, is raise our level of consciousness, meaning we leave that domain where all of these extraterrestrial entities exist, we move up into another level of consciousness, only if you want to do that. Now, if you just pray in the morning without the Kabbalah of Kabbalah, you remain in that realm, and you have not in any way escaped from that illusionary physical reality of all of these demons and whatever the Zohar calls them. So what is Sod? What is Sod? Sod, on the contrary, as every Kabbalist says, and almost as every great Talmudical scholar of the past has said, that Kabbalah, because it conceals, can only create simple revealment. Nothing that is of a raw naked energy, like the seed of a, of a, of a, of a tree, 
if you couldn't, wouldn't plant that seed in the ground and it become concealed and not only become concealed, but it ultimately even disappears and there is not even any five senses that can detect the existence and presence of the seed, there would be no tree. So, to have revealment, we must have sod. To, to study the raw naked energy, which is Talmud, which is far more difficult than Kabbalah, and to devote all of our efforts to that raw naked energy would only be a misleading, a misleading path for anyone seeking some revelation of, of what the Bible is all about. Therefore, when Rashi says, Joseph, because he depended on, on the creator, I'm sorry, on, on the wine steward, for his salvation, therefore he was punished and remained another two years. And we raise the question as the Zohar raises the question. Now you mean Rashi didn't understand that question? Rashi wouldn't ask of himself, was he a straight Orthodox Jew? And who he would say, well, whatever it says, that's what it says, and I accept. But Rashi knew the nature of, of a Jew, and I'm sure Rashi, being as a divi- with a divine spirit as he was, because he couldn't simply have uh, been in a position to write and commentate as he did, it was an abnormal treatise that he did on the, on the Torah and all of Talmud. Where did he even get the time? Obviously, he must have been involved in an area where time, space, and motion did not exist. Maybe he wrote his old commentary on the, on the Torah, maybe in one night. Because what is time? Time is irrelevant. Most people deal with time as from day to day. Some people, as I mentioned this morning, some people say, oh, the year has gone by so fast. And some people say, when that was yesterday, and all this happened because the day is filled with so much. So time is, as, as the scientist says today, is a variable. It is not a fixed connotation. It is not day, day, day. And Rashi knew that too. So when Rashi said that Joseph placed his trust in the wine steward and not in, and not in Hashem, for us to assume that Rashi was dealing with Pshat, and Rashi was not raising that question which everyone in this room should raise. How could Joseph, the one who was a Merkav, the one who was a chariot, place his trust in an illusionary, not even a great master, but who? The wine steward. It is illogical and absolutely a corruption if we are to interpret Rashi as understanding that simple idea. And therefore Rashi, in his commentary, we know is very much pshat and very difficult. There's so much concealed in Rashi. And it's up to the Zohar even. With the Zohar, we then can kind of extract what Rashi's trying to say. The Zohar, being sod, is so simple. He gets right to the point, much of that which we simple, low human beings would raise, the questions. All right? So what, so we're trying to, and another point that I want to make before we understand what is going on here. What's that? Is that a by... The Zohar asks the question and he answers it. If we could never entertain that kind of idea. So Yosef didn't sin by asking... Of course not. Of course not. 
You're talking about a man who had reached the level of consciousness of Yesod. He was totally out of the realm of illusionary reality. There was no illusion. He was dealing with reality. Time, space, and motion did not exist for him. Meaning the two years that we even discuss we're going to have to deal with. Because we know the Torah is not dealing with time, space, and motion. Is this, is this a document of, of a divine nature or is it written by man? If you believe it was written by man, I believe you have a right to accept the literal translation, which is a bunch of garbage. And that's okay, too, because there are too many questions we would raise on this literal interpretation. Therefore, we have to assume, as the Zohar says, that it is not a piece of garbage. And he, he says that. Kashvatevin. Now, maybe he says it a little nicer. He says it's only a bunch of straw. I said garbage. I don't know if there's much of a difference. In fact, I think straw is worse because garbage could at least contain some refuse that, you know, maybe some uh, poor people can eat from it, from food thrown out. But when you're talking about straw, there's really nothing much you can do with straw. So it's very little purpose. And the Zohar calls the Torah with its simple pshat interpretation as straw. Therefore, we know that this is... Lifeless, right, lifeless. Therefore, we understand, as, as Rabbi Shimon understood, that this Torah is something of a more, far greater, uh, expansive magnitude that we could ever dream of. And it's up to the Zohar to, to, to understand that for us. Now, the Zohar says again on page 10 in Miketz, Miterim shekarali Yosef before the story of Potiphar, you remember when, the, when uh, he was working, he was sold as a slave to this uh, Potiphar, and his wife one day made an attempt to seduce him, and he did not permit himself to be seduced by this woman, and he ran away, and then she came and told a long story about what happened, and therefore he was thrown into jail. Now the Zohar makes it very clear when Joseph, before this story, this incident with the wife of Potiphar, he was not called Sadiq. Meaning, Sadiq is Sadiq Yisod Olam. That is when they reach that level of consciousness of Yisod. That is called a Sadiq. If he does not reach that level of consciousness, he may be a fine man, a pious man. But we should not, as we tend to sometimes, use that word very loosely, Sadiq. Oh, he's a big Sadiq. When you can understand that he has achieved the level of consciousness of Yesod, then he has achieved that title, if we want to call it that, that title of Sadiq. All right? Yosef did not and was not born with that attribute of being uh, a Merkava, a chariot to the Svirat Yesod. In other words, because he did not fall into the trap of the wife of Potiphar, then, and only then, Nikrat Sadiq. Then he became a Sadiq. Now, he was thrust into this prison after. So he already was a Sadiq. Now, when we say he was a Sadiq, we are then making the claim, as Rabbi Shimon states, and nobody, in fact, disagrees with Rabbi Shimon, that when and after the incident with the wife of Potiphar, he achieved that conscious, level of consciousness of Yusod, 
then the Zohar says, how could he have placed his trust in a, in a simple, lowly, illusionary wine steward? All right. Therefore, states the Zohar, this word of Zichatani, which seems to be very confusing, at the end of, of Ayeshev, when he asked the wine steward to remember me, to remember me. We also find this word, word remembering, Zachor et Yom HaShabbat, the Kachok. It says, remember the Shabbat. What do you mean, remember the Shabbat? And keep it holy. Remember it. What does it mean? Remember. Keep it holy. But it says Zachor. Remember. Remember what? What would we forget? Comes the seventh day. Who doesn't remember? The banks are closed. The post office is closed. What is so difficult in remembering the Shabbat? That we have to remember the Shabbat. And keep it holy. So we answered when we discussed the Shabbat. That Zachor. Wherever the word Zachor is mentioned, it comes from the word Zachar. In other words, male. And male, briefly stated, is the connotation of positive energy. The force. The force. We know the male is the force of new life. The woman is only, and I wouldn't say only, but she's like Mother Earth. She brings this force, the force of the sperm, into fruition. But the force is is transferred, transmitted via the male. So the word zachor or zachar means energy, an energy force. So just as it means that in Shabbat, we should understand immediately that the moment we come across a word like zichartani, we are dealing with what? An energy force. A positive energy force. That's a clue. That's the cosmic code of the Torah. And I hope you don't ask me again, because I somehow get a vibration that you're asking me, so why does the Torah have to be so confusing? Couldn't it be pshat, simple? In a cosmic code. It should be concealed. The answer is, in our universe, for the same reason that a soul cannot operate without a body, the soul cannot operate without a body, and nobody asks how come, how come there are two features in, in, in a human being. There is the internal force and the body. When the body dies, it seems some force has gone away. So there are two aspects. Why can't there be just forces? Why must there be bodies? The answer is that in our universe, nothing of a pure, unadulterated energy force can become revealed, provided it becomes concealed. Provided it becomes concealed. That is the rule. Therefore, if all of the knowledge, the hidden knowledge of the universe was to be revealed, the rule applied to the Torah. And that rule was, it must be concealed. It is that simple. And that is why the Torah was presented in such a concealed, abstruse, coded form. Therefore, the moment we see this word zechatani, we should remember that it is referring to zachol. It is, it is referring to a positive energy force. With that in mind, let us proceed. As we said before, 
right and left, like in the, in the bulb, there is no circuit of energy, no surge of energy, no flow of energy, provided there are three columns, like in the atom, like in a bulb. Man also be, must become manifest with these three energy forces, left, right, and central. If one of these are missing, one of these are missing, the flow of energy, that which is potential in our minds, that which we acquired yesterday in the way of information, that information that we shall acquire tomorrow, which is going to be my information, no, is for the rest of my life, until 120 years of all of us, we will amass information. Is that information here now? The answer is yes. Then why do we not, or why are we, are we not capable of accessing into that kind of information? Says the Zohar, because if the central column is not operative, if that central column, which means restriction, is not part and parcel, which, and is not a constant feature in our human mind computer, it is like you took off the, the electrical current in a computer. Does that mean when I close the computer, when I close the computer, we no longer have the information in the computer? Sometimes it does get wiped out, right? But generally speaking, when you close a computer, does it mean the, uh, the, uh, the information has vanished? No. No. The only difference is it has not been activated. But the information is there. All information is there. Therefore, says the Zohar, the reason if we have a, lo a loss of memory, or if we do not access into tomorrow, now accessing into tomorrow does not mean necessarily, necessarily, that, um, well, if there's a tzaddik around, and maybe that's a reason we should assume there's no tzaddik around, shouldn't he have known about, let's say, October 19th, the day of the big crash in the market. Doesn't seem like anybody knew October 19th a crash was going to take place. So that we ha then we have to assume that there are no Sadiqim around because if they were, why didn't they inform, inform us about the impending drop in the market? The answer is, what's that? Donald Trump knew. He knew that on October 19th. Well, he must be a Sadiq. <laughs> right? Yes. The next mistake he makes, he won't make, right? He would be void of mistakes. That's when you can tell if. Alright? When we are discussing a tzaddik, when we are discussing having access into. That realm where there is no time, space, and motion, where there is no yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That Sadiq knows that what happens on October 19th is not what he's concerned with. He's concerned with, at the end, how does it work out? Now, if you live in a, in a, in a, in a space in a space-time area, then each day becomes a trauma, or each day is a day of joy. So therefore, most people operate on that level. But you see, a tzaddik does not operate on that level. In other words, 
he sees from beginning to end that it's going to be good. And it doesn't mean that everybody who was involved, let's say, in the October 19th crash, ultimately is going to lose, even on that level. The only thing is, right now, he's counting his paper losses, right? But maybe in a year or two or three, or because he lost, he gained because of that through another media. I mean, the tzaddik is not involved. He just wants to be certain that his position is maintained. How it's maintained, is that important? How it's maintained is the illusionary people who go up and down, making always an attempt to maintain it. You see, that Sadiq, once he reaches that level, he's already being maintained. He doesn't have to maintain his position. That is the simple difference between the Sadiq and most of us. We are always trying to maintain, retain our position. The Sadiq, whatever happens, he knows and he is certain that he is being maintained. Why is that? Because he is constantly accessing the, the total computer with the Kav Ansai, with the central column. The central column makes it so as if the electricity of the, of the computer never ceases to exist. It's always operative, always working. But this computer we're talking about accesses into the yesterday and to the tomorrow. And therefore, if someone has a lapse of memory, if someone does not recall, or he does, or tomorrow for him was an impending doom, it is because he has lost touch with that central column of his computer. And therefore, he falls right back into the realm of an illusion, into a realm of illusion, and therefore he has to now figure out through his genius how he's going to maintain his position. But if, says the Zohar, we bring constantly the Kavam Sa'i, the central column, into its proper position, then that circuit of energy of tomorrow and yesterday is constant. Because when you do not access into that central column, there is a constant battle whether we are conscious of it or whether we are not conscious of it. And this explains the ups and downs because there is a battle between two forces. Two forces within us, two forces within the world, two forces that we may not be even aware of called right and left. They are two constant forces in this world as they exist in a computer. Two forces, right and left. Desire to receive, desire to share. They are constantly constantly at war with each other and because they are constantly at war with each other each one can't get his point across because each one makes an attempt to block out block out the other and therefore this aspect of remembering this aspect of maintaining a level of consciousness does not exist for most people what is the secret what is the secret? When you have battles, you're, you're, you're busy with maintaining yourself because you're up and down every day. So you're so consumed in the battle of every day of up and down that you don't see the forest from the trees. However, if you inject the energy intelligence, says the Zohar, of Kavam Sa'i, of the central column, then you have 
a balance between the right and left, and you have an even, constant flow. Now, we know that there are two aspects that we have arrived from a very mysterious aspect of Judaism. I shouldn't say maybe Judaism, maybe the Jew. He has a flag. That flag is called the Magin David. It has two triangles, two triads. Those two triads is the secret of the computer. Those two triads is the secret of how we can maintain energy, how we can receive energy, or how we do not receive energy. It's all included in that one little code. And that's why the flag of David, the star of David, the triad of David, the magen, the shield of David, which is a more appropriate name for it, is so closely related to the Jewish people. Because we operate on that principle. There is an upper triad and a lower triad. An upper triad and a lower triad. Now, the Zohar says, when David saw, when David saw, I'm sorry, Joseph, I keep inter, inter, uh, <laughs> interconnecting. It seems that tonight they're both connected because that is the zivug, that is the connection between Zerampin and uh, and Malchut. So something right is going around here somewhere. I mean, I have no reason to to mention David other than for the Magin David, but that is not the the uh, the important or the uh, the significant part we're discussing here. But in any event, when Joseph saw the three, remember Uvagefish Loshasarigim. Uh, let me give that to you uh, in the in chapter forty. In chapter forty. Verse 10, chapter 40, verse 10, and it says, in my, and, and the wine, and the wine steward says, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And so we think, all that there is in, in the way of significance to this dream was what? That he was forecasting that Pharaoh would again restore him, right? He would come out of jail, as Joseph told the wine steward. When you come out of prison, you shall again be restored as the main wine steward, right? That was the beautiful thing that he was telling him. But as we know in other areas of dreams, in other aspects of dreams, that someone who knows or thinks he knows how to interpret a dream takes more often the insignificant parts of the dream rather than the significant parts because it is so concealed the dream is such uh, is su- of such a nature of such concealment because it is an aspect of nevoah of prophecy that no dream would be told no dream would be presented if it was if it's true if it's true and there are other aspects, we're not discussing all the aspects concerning how to interpret dreams. But this aspect was when we read normally the the uh, the re, the uh, stating or the or the retelling of his dream, the wine steward, he mentions three clusters 
of grapes. What was that important? And why was that important? But for, they, for Joseph, that was the significant part. That was the significant part. There he saw, there he saw that Zechira, Zechira is present. What does Zechira mean? Remembering. The force is present. The force has become revealed. The force has become revealed. When he saw, when he mentioned to him the three grapes, because he, all he had to do was say, you know, I had a dream, and there I was holding the cup for Pharaoh. Now all of us here, not even being Joseph, how would we interpret the dream? Ah, he would be again restored as the wine steward for Pharaoh. That would have been a simple interpretation. And that was correct. But that's not what they, uh, Joseph was telling him. I can't get the word uh, David out of the system right now. That exactly was what the, uh, Joseph saw. <laughs> that's exactly what he saw. He saw the three branches. When he saw the three branches, then he remembered that the force is present. The force is present. Therefore, when he came, says the Zohar, when, and I will continue, came in the Stakel Yosef Bechalmei, he says, if there are three, that means that the central column is in place. That means there is a circuit of energy. How did you know that, says the Zohar? Because there were three clusters. Meaning, what does the three clusters refer to? To the three columns. He thought that both aspects of the Magain David became revealed. Now we know the first triad, the upper triad, the upper triad of the Magain David, of the shield of David, deals with Aspects purely of a potential nature. Briefly stated, in the upper triad, we are dealing on how to establish. An idea comes to an individual. An idea comes to an individual. Now, an idea of, of establishing a school. Now, the idea is an idea. How to establish that school becomes a manifest idea. How is he sure that this idea will become manifest on a potential level? Is when he says, well, why do I want to make a school? For profit? Or do I want to make a school so I can help others? Or if I, whatever I'm doing in my life, whatever I'm doing, which benefits me, but I'm also doing this for the benefit of others, then and on a potential state, if he, if he establishes the, and injects the energy of the central column, then we know that the Star of David of the upper triad has become established. Then, of course, that's not sufficient. Let's say the easiest example is in building a building. A person has an idea of putting up a building. It's a good venture. Then he thinks of what kind of a building it will be. And then he says, but why am I doing all of this? Is it just for me alone? Or is it that I can also share? So he injects the third column energy, and he has completed... He has completed the circuit of the upper triad. If you do not complete this kind of circuit in the upper triad, you are doomed for failure, one way or another. But is that all that goes into a building? Is the idea that I have an idea, and I know how the building should look, how tall it should be, how wide it should be, 
and I inject the third column energy, no, then I have to go still to another aspect called the planning stages. I have to call in an architect. Now, the architect is not sufficient. That architect merely makes plans, so it's still on another level. But it's become more manifest. Now we're going to see something for the first time. In the mind, we do not see it. It's just something that appears as a dream, as, a, as an illusion, you might say. So the second part of the triad, or the lower part of the triad, is when things become manifest. Therefore, we always refer to the upper triad as potential, and the lower triad as actual. When Joseph saw the three clusters, he assumed that the energy force had become established. Meaning what? Meaning, it was now time, it was now time for him to make an exit. Why? Because since he is the lower triad, he is the central column of the lower triad, and since, because Joseph was operating on another level, there was no question, Joseph was playing out his part. Because as the Zohar says, the only reason that Joseph was sold and he was cognizant of that aspect and therefore had no bitterness to his brother because he knew that within the realm of the illusion, what a terrible thing. His brother sold him. Terrible thing. But insofar as where he was coming from, that was only something happening in time. He was observing the movie. Yes, he was a participant in the movie, but now he was in the chair observing himself being thrown into a prison, as we said about Rabbi Akiva. When Rabbi Akiva was brought out by the Romans to be tortured to death, all he did was take an out-of-body experience, as the Zohar says. He didn't feel a thing. In fact, to the extent that nothing was really even happening, it was a total illusion. The Romans thought they were torturing him. That's as far as the Zohar extends this kind of thinking. That Rabbi Akiva never suffered other than for the first moment. That he was prepared to take the suffering. He injected the central column. He said, my body would suffer. That doesn't bother me. If that's what I have to do for whatever reason, so that the body should be devoid of a desire to receive for oneself alone, well, okay, the only one feeling the pain would be the body. He accepted it. The minute that happened, he had an out-of-body experience. Nothing even happened. The same way here, when Joseph was thrust into prison, he knew that the body would have to go through that experience. But insofar as he is concerned, insofar as he is concerned, he did not. He did not experience this kind of, of, of illusionary structure in his life that one day he's free the next, and he's the, the most loved of, of, of Jacob's children and the next minute he's in jail, the next minute he's a, he's, a, he's a king. These are all aspects of the illusionary world. He did not go through changes. He was on that level watching himself in the movie. He knew the end result. Because he knew at the end, and he knew the purpose of it all. So when you lose money October 19th, but if you know that you're going to double your money June 19th, who will be unhappy today? No one. No one. So what? Because if you maintain that level, and knowing that at the end anyway it's right, 
So what happens in between is that illusion that someone of the, of the level of consciousness of Joseph could rise above and not be affected by it. But here, he thought that what he had observed, what he had observed was the lower, the lower triad. The triad where Yesod becomes manifest, where he already now is going to become joined with the reality of, of the world again. He would be taken out of this illusionary jail that he was in. So the Zohar says, why did he tell the wine steward? Why did he tell the wine steward what he told him? Because in another place, the Zohar says that when someone has a dream, he should be very careful to whom he reveals this dream, not only for the purpose of interpretation, but for the purpose of just stating the dream. One should be very careful because the individual hearing that dream will make that dream come true as the interpreter expresses it. And it could have happened, and it could have turned out differently if the interpreter would express it in another way. Therefore, the Zohar says, be very careful to whom you're revealing your dreams to. Very careful. Joseph knew that when he saw, when he was told that there were three clusters, and he assumed that the lower level of the Magen David became manifest. The time had come for him now to be taken out and to become the king. The Zohar says, and therefore he said, He knew that it would be good for him. Kloma, that the energy system of the Zechira, it'll become revealed. Together with the wine steward. When his wine steward's dream became revealed, because he was the instrument that brought that revelation, then he would be revealed. Because it is the realm of Zechira, the lower triad. And here he had made the mistake. He had thought, he had thought that this dream was at the final actual state, and therefore, he would be released. But he in no way, says the Zohar, ever had an idea that he was depending on, on the wine steward. In fact, says Rashi, as the Zohar, he should have placed his trust in God. Now, we know the word for God in Rashi, and the word for God in the Zohar says the Zohar clearly, which Rashi does not state, means the upper level. It's the code name for the upper level, the upper triad of the Magen David. The upper level. In other words, we interpret, since we are such holy people, we interpret uh, Rashi as saying, you see, he didn't place his trust in God. Not that he didn't place his trust in God. He should have understood that this dream was still dealing with the upper level 
of the triad, not the lower level. Because the word for God means the upper level. Not that it means he should have placed his trust in God. We're not talking about placing trust in God or the steward. But he should have understood that he that the level of revealment here was still in a potential state, the upper triad, which is called Kuchabirihu, which is called God. Another word for God, Kuchabirihu. Rashi makes that very clear when he says, because he did not place his trust like the Zohar says, the same thing. He didn't place his trust in God. But it doesn't say he didn't place his trust in God. The Zohar doesn't say that. It says, Tala. Tala, which means he depended on the dream that was, what was being revealed was the upper triad. And the upper triad was still in a potential state. The time for revealment had not yet arrived. And therefore he made this mistake. He thought when he said the word zechatani, meaning that zechira, the word for manifestation, has already arrived, and he made that mistake. But to assume that they, that Joseph, for a moment, placed his trust in the wise to is ridiculous. It has no meaning, it has no basis, if we're dealing with an individual who is a chariot. And we'll have a break here for a minute.